Hey everyone, it's Tree54. Welcome to my Tree54 podcast. First up, AEW Dark, AEW Dark, and later on, we will review AEW from last night. Now, let's start out of the way. We got 15 matches set for this edition of for AEW Dark, including the only rematch that rivaled Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant on the main event in 1988. Brandon Cutler versus Peter Avalon. Now you go to the match. Uno and Grayson versus Top Flight. And this is Top Flight's debut on AEW Dark. Let's get to it. AEW knows how to get ratings since Long John and Silver and Anna J are both out for the first segment. Good aggressiveness from Uno and Grayson in this match. At Taz notes, Ty Flight is a perfect name for the team of Dante and Darius Martin because they're super athletic, has some nice offense. I see, I could see them in AEW at some point in the next several years because they do have both Ty's skill set and a lot of potential. Of course, they weren't winning this match, but this was way more competitive than most probably expected to be. Love the back and forth. Uno and Grace certainly sold top flights off sense like two true pros but it was Uno and Grayson that hit the fatality for the win at win now on to Ricky Starks versus VSK's a new superstars debut Taz thinks Starks is the future of AEW and I can't disagree this guy is so good and his mannerisms are just awesome what I love about him is one second he can play around and the next he flips switches to ass kicking mode VSK got a little offense and wow, someone named VSK, sure. But this was all about showcasing Starks. Even Ugogo had no choice but to recognize the greatness of Starks who hit the Rochambeau for the victory of three. On uh, Eddie Kingston with the bunny and she talks about how QT Marshall was into her and bought her all kinds of stuff so she should got bored of him. There's the explanation people wanted about uh, why Allie left QT. She's back with a real family now. Kingston doesn't like that. The Nightmare fan is ahead of his family in the rankings. <sighs> okay, sorry for the run. On to Seidel versus Johnson. Can we get Lee Johnson versus Ben Carter again? Can we? Wait, that's right. Carter is signed with the WWE, a wrestling company that, that uses suicides and wastes them. Because this is Mystic Man. I'm not happy about it. I thought Escabler did a good job. Nothing like noting that Johnson likes to pattern himself after Kenny Omega. That's the character development. You need to get people invested in a guy that's 13 losses. Even a tiny mention of something like that connects some dots of, about who you're watching in the ring. Ugogo, who's very good here, does the same several nice near falls in this match. With Seidel also working some submission move late in the match. Push the idea that he's reinventing himself. Good match with Johnson trying to everything he could to get the win. But Seidel eventually made him pay for it by locking the Cobra Clutch to force Johnson to tap. Now, next is Sheeta versus Hirsch. Her debut. Now, before the match, Hirsch gives the Bayface AEW stars in the crowd with the middle finger. I love her already. Byron Joe in the commentary for his match. I love him too. By the way, I thought Ugogo was very good for his first appearance on commentary. He'll be back. 
Several minutes into the match, he looked like Hirsch was knocking silly, but the referee checked on her and she kept going. Then Sheeta and Hirsch exchanged some hard hits before Hirsch hit the top row suicide. Move more back and forth with Hirsch pulling off a nice reversal into a cross-arm maker. This was a great sequence with Sheeta eventually reaching the ropes. She had hit the Falcon era for the win, but really made Hirsch look like a future player in the women's division. Since she went toe-to-toe with the champ, her style is unique with some comparing it to that of Kornick. Even if she's not that, she's someone AEW should consider signing. QT is pissed that Bunny took his credit card and dignity. I've been there, QT. I've been there. Dustin Rose is also so pissed off. Now, we got Jersey Muscle and Dami... Danny Lightlight from New Japan Pro Wrestling versus Jurassic Express. While Jersey Muscle is the name of a T, I think it would be an equally great name for one wrestler. Hulk Hogan versus Jersey Muscle would have been a great on house show circuit in the Northeast in the mid 80s. After this match, I, I also j- always enjoyed watching Jurassic Park as trios. Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt are all, all offered different styles, so it makes them for a lot of variety in the match. However, the star of the show here was Danny Limelight, who got all the limelight when the slight sink was late in the match. Jersey Muscle even nearly got the pin on Marco, but Marco has wrenched with a destroyer for the win. Another fun match. Now we got Hybrid 2 versus SCU. The hybrid music is the best. Of course, the match was set up on last week's show at the Frank Rosario score for Jack Evans. Hell of a te- technical sequence early on from Kazarian and Angelico. The momento was been an awesome show thus far. This was a lot of technical wrestling and submission maneuvers. I think it's important to, sh- to stress the variety you see on the show at AEW Dark. That's why even with the 15 matches, you get a little something different each every single one of them. To finish this one, focus on Evans and Jellico to cocky, which allowed Kazarian to use a small package on Evans for the win. After the match, Angelico and Evans went on attack, so they'll likely continue this feud. Anna J versus Katina Perez. Yeah. Mara was out. Brandy rose into the commentary booth. Excalibur brings up Anna attacking Brandy on the John Silver edition of Shot of Brandy. Will Star. Anna showed up a few pressing kicks. She pretty much controlled this match from the start to finish before locking the Queen Slayer for the win. She is so she is so in this character. It's just great. Let me stay for a minute there. And we are when we are building towards a few between Brandy Rhodes and Anna J is basically continuing that feud. And you gotta check out that comment Brandy Rose had on her continuing Kalina Perez being a queen. Brown Rose is the queen, bitches. Now then, to the to the match you're all you want to hear about. Brandon Cutler versus Peter Avalon. And now for the review of that match. Sorry again. I'm trying my best. It's time for your main event. No cows, no DQ, no nothing. Somebody has to guy win this shit. Business picked up early with Avalon flying off the stage. Taking Cutler down on the outside. We got a table. Who's going through it? We also got guards over Avalon's head and upper body. For some reason, Cutler thought it was a good idea to do a flying elbow onto the can. Hurt his elbow in the process. No wonder this guy is 0-25 too. 
Turns out Cutler was the one through one of the tables. Library books are everywhere, as it's got to remind us that some people like physical media. We got dumb tax tees. It's actually dice. Hilariously, Alan took a book away from Leva Bates, so he calls him a son of a bitch and slaps him. Physical media for the win. Brass Knuckles and Avalon takes a bump on the dice. He's broken in half. Both guys go through a fuse table that was set up. Here comes the Young Bucks to cheer on Cutler. This led to Cutler carrying a move off the top for the victory. He did it. Cutler has ended his losing streak. He's a winner. Now we go on to the, this match. Brent's friends versus Anthony Bowens, Bowens and Master Caster. Caster has just did his just John Cena before the match by cutting a few raps on best friends. This is what I mean by showing up the personality of these unsigned team talents get fans invested. Good work. Enjoy the teams of Bowens and Caster in this one. But it was best friends getting the win with strong zero at around five minutes. It was to follow, it was hard to follow the classic before them. Now we get to Scorpio Sky, and he found out his dressing room was destroyed, and we found someone wrote Deef. On the mirror. There's some interest in that. Now we go on to Cage versus Fugo D. Cell. Talk about Clash of Stars. This is it. Stars comes out shirtless to join the commentary. The man is a legend. Fugo nearly got a pin on reverse early on, but Cage destroyed him with Weapon X for the win. Cage is a machine. Now we got Dark Orders number 10 versus Shamulera. He's a Samoan who was on the Cruiserweight Classic from WWE. All right. Scabler thinks 10 is the biggest powerhouse Dark Horse has outside Brody Lee. Has Scabler seen Lon John Silver? He is freaking jacked, man. Five got, five got involved with some shenanigans, which fits Dark Horse's approach. But the Samoan Maluda got some offense, so that was good. However, 10 hit the clothes onto the back of Maluda's head for the victory. Then it was 5 and 10 with a double team move with Maluda afterwards to send a message. We got we got some female tag team matches. Ivelisse Diamant versus Kevlin King and Savannah Evans. I mentioned this before, but I'm a fan of King. She does good work. So, so does Ivelisse and Diamant, who are great as a team. King got her offense in on both of them, and again, I think she got a bright future. However, she took another pin here as Diamant hit the code red for the win. Now on to Aaron Solo, a.k.a. Bar- Bailey's fiancé or boyfriend versus Sonny Kiss. At least Kiss has recovered from the tournament loss to Omega. Maybe this will also be a squash. It was as Solo played up his character and got mad to the point of getting into Aubrey Andrews' face. That, that changed my momentum with Kiss eventually hit the leg drop off the top for the win. But here comes Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. Archer destroys both Kiss and Solo. Jake teases that he wanted to DDT someone and that there are some changes coming that people won't like. And Archer said he wants the winner of John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston and is going to kick a lot of ass on the way there. On to Nick Comarano, a former NXT star versus Will Hobbs. This is a choose Hoth fight. Miss McMahon has to be wondering what went wrong with his talent acquisition team with these two dudes. Well, this one wasn't quite a back and forth match. At Hoth hit a spine buster and a frog flash for the win. Now on to the main event. Darby Allen versus the returning 
Alex Chamberlain. I hope this time he gets a good con. I guess a contract because he's very Chamberlain is very good. He can sell good, so we need something like him. All right, the match begins with Starks wanting to throw down a fist of cuffs with Darby. He wanted bad. Chamberlain stretched Darby a bit, but you know where it was heading, even with some solid back and forth in this match. Darby hit the coffin draw off the top for the win. Stark and Taz are not impressed. Starks hits the ring. Cage comes in behind to attack Darby on the ramp. Hobbs makes the save, so that's Vance's starting line. Okay, that was the end of Dark. All right, here's my take. Yes, AW Dark has extended for two hours and 30 minutes. But as soon as the pandemic is over, it will go down to down to four matches. So don't worry, it's not that bad. Like, as soon as the pandemic is over, we'll, we'll probably get four matches on Dark. So let's be thankful and grateful that AEW is giving us more matches on AEW Dark. Thank you for my review on AEW Dark. Stay tuned. Next, I'll be doing a review on AEW Dynamite. And you will love it. Hey, everyone. We are we are back. Now, here's AEW Dynamite from last night. I hope AEW has put together a good episode of Dynamite. We start with MJF and Wardlow in the back talking to Dasha. MJF says he's proud of Wardlow, but if he wins toward the tournament and beats the champion, MJF becomes the AEW Heavyweight Champion. Wardlow looks confused by this, but then tells MJF, yeah, he got it. And comes Sammy Guevara to tell MJF to screw his jacket. He's not MJF's buddy or friend. We'll make sure he'll never join the inner circle. MJF has some advice for him. He tells Wardlow to head back, get ready for his match. MJ have a note for Sam on his promos. Don't. What's wrong? The guy who looks who sells Adderall to middle schoolers is getting upset. Sammy says no. He's thinking of all the things he's going to do do about it. Warlow matches next. Warlow versus Hangman and Page. The match ends with Page grabbing the leg. Exploder off the top row. Buckshot. He's not done. He hits the apron again. Another Buckshot. Pin for one, two, three. Hangman Page wins. Now, here comes my take on it. It's very interesting to see how much of a lack of rest holes affects a match that makes it seem like a seamless strength of awesomeness. In all reality, this was a big guy versus little guy match. But Pace showed a lot of resilience proving in the upper echin of talent. Most definitely not little. Warlow showed, showed some green, but the dude is trying has tremendous update, upside to continue to grow. Solid effort. Mox, John Moxley has a video promo say this isn't about the ranking. This is just for him. He won't be defending the title. He'll be weaponizing it. He calls Eddie Kingston miserable and excuse-making. He says AEW is for those who do the work, put their asses on the line. Eddie will now have to say the words, I quit. He'll be alone with his ego. Moxley crushes the windpipes and skulls and egos. Protect your neck, Eddie. DM. Speaking of the devil, here come. He's here with Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny. Match 2, Eddie Kingston versus Matt Seidel. The match ends with Eddie with a knee to the gut and a spinning back fist. Then Eddie yells out from Moxley and then locks in the bulldog cho- choke to Seidel. Seidel taps. Eddie Kingston wins. Here's my take on this match. In a rare occasion, a match went a little too long for my liking here. 
Eddie probably would have looked better killing Sidon moving on. But the PIP and necessity to go along the kind of match killed the, the match. You get what I'm saying? Eddie won't let go. The ref tries to stop him, but in comes Butcher and Blade. Bunny grabs a mic, comes over to man. Eddie says, I quit. Moxley, Seidel says he quits. Eddie apologizes to Moxley and then leaves. Earlier today, Expalbert sits with Young Bucks while Tully is with this team. <coughs> Matt says ankle is fine. The match is brewing. It's been for years. Nick says Matt can't even play with his kids. Excalibur asks FTR why jeopardize the match. Dax says this match is a dream match. But above that is being the champ. Whoever walks out as a champion cements themselves as the best in the world. Excalibur says he has known Young Bucks for years. And FTR says yeah, that's why we get paid. Matt says that he and Nick like to think of themselves as good people. Some say they do bad things. Do they regret what they've done? They aren't proud, but they don't regret it. For the last year, they've been suffering. There's something missing. Tom's high in age. They couldn't get their finger on it. The moment these pricks started messing with their livelihoods, something changed. That killer instinct. Would this be the cause, cause of their our undoing? Maybe. But this is the way we feel. Cash says they have more to say, but obviously they aren't needed for this interview. If Scalar brings something up, they have more to lose in this title. So here's the tip. If they don't win, they will never challenge for the titles ever again. Ta- Cash and Doc's boss was cool. Matt added the tip, tried to Matt motion to his promo. My being words wasn't. Not cool. Time for a Tom Hall meeting. Tony and Dasha are hosting. They welcome us to the town hall. Separate tables, chairs are set up either side of the ring. While table and mics are set up on stage for Tony and Dasha. Out comes MJF alone. He pats Tony on the head, then sits on his side of the ring. First question comes Luchasaurus. Sorry, the mic falls. He has MJF. How he contribute to the earning potential and continue financial prosperity of the inner circle? MJF says he has an answer. We get a chart of the inner circle earnings, so the pre-spotty record, pre-MJF, yet an upward climb post-MJF. It's math, says MJF. Simple, dog, economics. Britt Breaker asked Jericho about MJF's body former friendships. Jericho says he's not in a dipshit. He's not a dipshit like Cody Rhodes. MJF knows nothing about their plans or secrets. Besides, if MJF tries to turn on them, he'll knock MJF's teeth down his throat. MJF says he promises both money and championships. You know he's right, says MJF. We can all settle down. Peter Avalon has a question. Peter uses time to ask if he can join the inner circle. Lol. The inner circle lasted off. MJF throws them, joins them, and Jericho says no. The Well, Peter Avalon tried his best. Next question, next question is from Mr. Eric Bischoff. It's Bischoff. He has a three prolonged question. One, January 20, 1961. JFK says, ask what your country could do for you. And Bischoff asks MJF what he could do for the inner circle. MJF says, that's a quick question. Very powerful. I'll give you one powerful word. Friendship. Number two, given the word, consider MJF to be a quick package. What does he believe the Intercent could do for him? He says, no, he is the complete pack. He can humbly accept that he has a dent in his armor. He may not be the test team player, but he believes once he joined the Inner Circle, he can learn how to be. Three, he has worked with Jericho for many years, and most would agree he's a pia Madonna. Jericho is upset, but Tony said Eric has the floor. Then Tony tells Jericho to shut up. 
Bischoff continues. Question, Jim, given that Benji had possessed many of the same periodonna as that characters, what is the guarantee if you don't, you don't just end up killing each other? And just say, that's Triopris. He's he, he been getting booed, throwing arrows. He's been a good person. He came out of respect and a leap of faith. Jericho wants to answer. MJ have a question for Jericho. We got the week. He made it clear that he checks every single box. He got the presence, the good TV friendship, and the best man in Jericho's entire career in all professional wrestling. So he asked MJF, Jericho, what you haven't done? Jericho says MJ hasn't beaten him. He'll give Jericho a chance to do it at full gear. If he wins, he joins the inner circle. MJF said this is the biggest opportunity of his life, so he wants to let Jericho know something. He'll do anything, whatever it takes. Jericho was nothing less, and MJF said Jericho doesn't say anything. Ortiz tells MJF to shut up. You know, all he does is run his mouth. No conversation needed. Sammy Ortiz doesn't want it. Ortiz is in the middle, doesn't believe for one second because Jericho's entertaining. Jeff Day has a shot. Next week, Sammy Ortiz versus MJF Wardlow. MJF will not be making it to the pay per view. They'll make sure of it. Now, here's my take on this whole thing. I'm sure there's going to be a play that loves this, but it's kind of dragged a bit for me. I also have to call in question why Luchasaurus or even Britt Breaker would care about what's going on between the inner circle and MGF. The Bishop cameo, cameo was oh, was cute, but why would he care either? I feel like the match and the promo to cut all could have been done without the tall hall meeting, so it came out as a bit self-serving. Match three, TNT Championship Lumberjack match, Cody versus Orange Cassidy. Match ends with Silver, but the pump kick Orange with a shot from his clipboard. Cody with the crossroads for pin one, two, three. Winner Cody Rhodes. Here's my take. I call foul. How dare you, Silver? How dare you, Anderson? All the Lumberjacks go buck wild each other. So Billy, Anderson Gun cleared the ring of the dark order. Backstage, best friends are going to. Miro Kip to apologize. They feel bad. Miro forgets them, offers them a gift. Then they attack the best friends in the locker room. Miro tosses Trent into the wall. He locks his head up from behind, said he will never forgive him. Kip blasts it off in the back, then interrupts their little gaming joystick platform thing. To the ring, Sierra Deeb is making her entrance. She's the new NWA Women's Champion. Oh, this could be good. Match for the NWA Women's Championship match. Serena Deeb versus Leah Hirsch. The match will end with Deeb locks the head, spray net breaker, and another one. Deeb captures the arm, hooks the leg, Hirsch taps with her sh- Serena Deeb. Here's what I take. Serena Deeb can go, and I merely have never seen Hirsch. Well, said last night on AEW Dark, but she showed up and showed me out nice. Marti Martinez is backstage with Sheeta. He brings up Nyla, who refused to wrestle list for the title. Sheeta grabs the mic, tells Says she wants Nyla in full gear, so there's that. Match five, Spears versus VSK again. VSK, this is the second appearance of VSK. Spears lifts VSK on your shoulders. Jet Valley Driver, one, two, three. Winner, Sean Spears. Squish, squash, squash match. There's a bull in the crowd that throws something at Spears. Spears gadget out the grab him, drag him into the ring. He goes to tell it to grab something. Bull reveals him to be Scormo Sky. Sean turns around and Sky takes. He goes over to Tully to stare him down. Okay, here's my take on hot take on Scorpio Sky. He's a bit bland. He's like a bland baby face. You gotta be some add some oof into him. Now we get to the main event. 
Kenny Omega versus Penta. This amazing match ends with Omega hitting back elbow, favoring his injured arm caused by Penta in the match. Chop to Penta, another and another, hits the right super kick to Kenny. I mean, Penta hit the super kick to Kenny. Penta hit the rope, springboard, turns the knee to fucking face. Kenny hits the one wing angel, pin one, two, three. Kenny Omega wins. Holy hell, what a main event I had watched that night. It was amazing. The bad news is we we knew exactly who was winning. No matter how many back and forth and near falls they had, I didn't think once that Penta was going to win. The good news is that this didn't take away from the bass match and a lot going for it. Solid main event. Wow. All right. Now, here's my end review. Here's my big review for AEW Dynamite. Here's my take. AEW Dynamite tonight from last night. AEW Dynamite, I mean, from last night was a show that started up, sorry, started off average, dipped in quality in the middle, came back strong near the end. Warlow continued to grow. Paige is a good person for him to learn from the pit, but the win was never in question. Last week, we saw Jericho and MJ attempt to still show some they did this week. No Bishop cameo was going to make me enjoy this match, and I did, and I did. It appears my suspicion of belief only stretches so long as there's some type of musical number involved because I couldn't wrap my head around why Luchasaurus would care about the well-being of the inner circle or why Britt Baker would care about at all about Jericho or MJF or Eric Bischoff camos, cameos, whatever. While cute a little tug on the nostalgia tip, it also means it also doesn't make, mean much to me here either. They could have done this without the entire segment, save for the promo challenge from Jericho, the promo for the tease, and the and the follow up. All right. My boy, Aaron Cassidy, got screwed by Dark Order, although I'm all for Silver getting some love. It didn't seem kind of shoehorn. Thankfully, though, banger of a main event. Let's face it, we knew it was going to get good, yet I even had a better time enjoying it. A middle-of-the-road show with a bit of ad love for the main event and for Serena Deep being a badass bitch. This is Tree for you 4. I'll see you next week for another review of the AEW Dynamite and AEW Dark Review. Please follow my Twitter handler, Augusta Ali, follow and listen to my podcast for content.